is up, girlfriend. Welcome to the Confident Like a Mother podcast, where we are all about creating big, beautiful, amazing lives and exploring our identities beyond being a mom. This is your host, Caitlin Norwood. I'm a life coach and a therapist, and I help other women create lives that they're obsessed with. One of my favorite things is watching other women win, including you. This is your invite to come with. Come on, let's go. Hello, gorgeous. Welcome to this week's episode of Confident Like a Mother. I'm just thrilled and excited, and I love that you're here hanging out with me for the next couple of minutes, hearing the message that I have for you today. And I know that there's a bajillion, literally like hundreds of thousands of other podcasts that you could choose to be listening to, but you're here hanging out with me, and that means so much to me. And I just can't thank you enough through a podcast intro, but I truly, truly am thankful for all of the Confident Like a Mother listeners that come back week after week. You truly make getting behind the mic so exciting and such a creative outlet for me. So I just want to extend my thank you, even though I thank every episode, but like truly, truly thank you so much. Um, uh, Maybe this is a bad segue, but like this week's episode might be hard for you to hear. And it's something that I'm working on and was pointed out by my coach. And I'm here to like share the message with you because it's such a little tiny shift and it has, I feel like it's like going to hold massive amounts of weight and it's just eliminating one word. And the word is like a no big deal frills. It's not like anything crazy and I'm just use it. I think that like being mindful about using this word less or mindful about like how we're using it or shifting the words that we're using instead of, I think it will lead to like massive growth. I think it will also be very, very, very beneficial, influential for our kids. And that's why I'm really sticking to this one because nothing angers me more than when my kids like apologize to each other and then they're like, but she did it first. Or when I say that my kids can't have something and they're like, but I'm like, oh my God, it sends me. So if you haven't guessed yet, I'm talking about eliminating one single word from your vocabulary, or at least being very mindful and intentional when using it or when you're using it and maybe kind of shifting things. And it's just a word. And I know that, but I'm talking about the word, but even though I just use it, it's like routine for me. And I, of course, maybe it's like an insignificant word, or maybe you won't find this that impactful, but I'd like to think of the word, but as like the gateway into I don't know, like victimhood almost because using the word, but especially when you're using it in the middle of a sentence, like blah, 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 but you pretty much negate everything that you just said before, especially when it comes to like an apology or when you're taking responsibility or when you are, um, giving somebody an explanation, you're using, but, and then you're like justifying your no or justifying your yes. It just feels so like victimy. And like, it was pointed out to me by my coach because we were talking about like success and what success looked like. And I'm always like, yes, I could do that. But, and my coach is like, I noticed that you're using the word, but a lot after, you know, you, you could do this, but, and I'm like, Oh, like it made my skin crawl because I never want to be somebody that is like playing victim or thinking that things are outside of my control because it's just as I teach to all my clients and to you here on the podcast, it's like everything in our lives right now is actually a result of the things that we're currently doing. So obviously what I'm doing right now and maybe just using the word, but, or thinking about how I should be able to do something, but I'm not, or, but I think it's not going to work or whatever it is, is actually blocking me from getting the things in my life that I want, from achieving the success that I'm after, from getting the things that I desire. And you can insert your, whatever it is for you. And 
knowing the nuances like of the word, but, and being conscious of how you're using it and to make your communication a little bit more clear, a little bit more sincere, a little bit more intentional. That's all I'm talking about on today's episode. And I guess I want to like stay away from the word, like eliminate or just being like so harsh about the boundaries of the word, because of course there's going to be times when we need to use the word, the word, but, and it's okay. If you're saying like, I'm not free today, but I'm free tomorrow. Or, you know, Mark can't come, but I'll definitely be there. Stuff like that. Of course, like, but needs to happen. Like, I don't know how else you would say that. And then there's so many little sneaky ways that this one simple little word, the word, but three letters is leading us to more blame, to complaining, to justifying what we're doing or saying. And it's definitely keeping us stuck in like a scarcity mindset. And I know I've talked about scarcity mindset before on this podcast, but it's like when you're in scarcity, you think that you don't have enough. So enough time or enough money or enough energy or enough resources, enough anything. That's what, that's like scarcity 101. When you're saying every time you use the word, but you're living in scarcity. And I bet you, if you are somebody that's like me and then you're like, You even want to be like, but Caitlin, you don't understand or, but every time you're thinking like, but it's almost like you're thinking like you're the exception and that you can't do whatever you want because dot, dot, dot. All of these statements really just amplify being in a victim mentality. And I know that's really hard to hear, but think about that. Every time that you're going to go say something like, I really want to do that, but it's like you think that you're the exception. It's like you think It works for everybody else, but it won't somehow work for you. And if you think this message is a little tough, it is. It is tough love. And playing the victim or thinking of yourself as the victim to something is not an identity that you want to take on. And it's not a role that you want to take on. And when you are continuously like finding yourself after this, you're going to listen, you're going to be like, oh my God, I need to stop saying but, and I'm going to catch myself. And then when I thought about this for a second, I thought this was quite interesting. Having or whatever you say after the word but, whenever you're using it like in the middle of a sentence, it is like the opening gates of a bunch of other limiting beliefs that you have about yourself or a bunch of other limits that you set for yourself. So for example, think about, I don't know, like working out because it's always like a universal example. But let's take a look at how but and limiting beliefs are actually one and the same thing. So let's just say, for example, you have the thought, um, I wanted to go to the gym today, but I was too tired. Or I wanted to make it to that workout class, but I don't know how to sign up. I wanted to wake up early and go to the gym before work, but I love to sleep in. Whatever, right? So we're tying all those things into, those are part of our identity. Anything that comes after the word but is like who we think we are. But I am too tired, but I don't know how, or but I love to sleep, or you know, that's not worth waking up for pretty much is like what is between the lines. And so anytime you're using the word, but it's like you're further anchoring into those limiting beliefs that you think about yourself and the things that you currently are identifying with. So do you really want to always be identifying with being a person who doesn't know how to do things and isn't willing to like try to figure it out or a person that is too tired to do the things that she really wants to do? And my guess is if you're listening to this podcast is no, you actually don't want to be a person that's too tired to do the things that she wants to do that can't, is too confused to figure it out. Nor do you want to believe that the things that you really want in your life are just out of your reach. I'm going to give you a minute to like roast on that and like zoom off of us for a second, the adults. And I want you to think about your kids and I want you to think about them using the word, but, and how frustrated you get. I know that I'm not the only one. And 
if we make this intentional shift about maybe removing but or like thinking about using a different word instead or just trying to eliminate it or be more mindful with it, they're listening. Of course they're listening. I mean, for me, if I'm just like thinking about how often I'm using the word but every single day in my house, it's probably hundreds. (laughs) It's probably up there. And every time I'm doing this, keep in mind, we are welcoming in limiting beliefs and we're welcoming in like a victim mentality. And not only are we doing this for ourselves, but our kids are doing it as well. And so if we don't want our kids to be doing it, then we need to role model it. Then we need to demonstrate it. We need to teach them another way. So let's just say like, let's use an example. Like your kids want to do something and they, or they want you to do something with them. This one is definitely true for me. It's like, mommy, mommy, we want you to play a game with us. And I'm always like, yeah, I want to play, but I got work to do. Yeah, I want to do this, but I got to record a podcast. Yeah, I want to do that, but I got to cook dinner, whatever. Think about how many times for you are you using the word but in your house and especially to and with your kids. For me, like I said, probably hundreds. Think about your mindset and the mindset that you're trying to promote, especially with your kids. Like you want resilient kids. You want kids to believe that they can do and be anything that they want to be. And so when we're using the word but all the time, we're just, we're not promoting that. We're promoting scarcity. We're thinking, we're telling them that there's not enough time or that there's not enough money or there's not enough resources, there's not enough opportunities, there's not enough help, there's not enough whatever. We're tying all the words that we say after but to the limiting beliefs in our mind. And we don't want to welcome this into our kids' mindsets. We don't want to welcome this into our family. And we don't want to be doing this and promoting this with that kind of language. And that's why this is so important. And I'm like, how did I miss this? How was I missing this before? But the connection with the word but and like limiting beliefs is like, oh, it was kind of like an aha moment. Like, oh my God, that is, that's not something that I want to be promoting with my kids. And I'm somebody that is like, hmm, I know I do mindset really, really well. Like I like to teach a growth mindset with my kids. I myself like to have a supportive mindset. I teach women how to have a supportive mindset. And so taking this little step can really change your entire mindset forever and ever and ever. And how you talk to yourself, how you talk about yourself, how you talk about your capabilities and your potential, and how your kids are going to talk about themselves, their capabilities, their potential. That's why this is so important. It's like way beyond, but as like contradicting everything that you just said. However, this is deeply seated in what you believe to be true about yourself and how it ties to your current identities. That's the important part here. Because like I gave the example with the working out, everything that comes with but or comes after the word but is like who you think yourself to be. And so I gave the example, or I guess I'll give you the example of like how many times do you think you use it in your house? And for me, I was like, I think I used it like hundreds of times because then the example of like my kids asking me to do something with them or play with them or them, they want me to take them somewhere. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm cooking dinner. Yeah, but I got work to do. Yeah, I want to do that with you, but I got to go record my podcast, right? So I'm just like, even that is giving the after but is like, I'm too busy for you. Or like, I'm busy, the identity of being like busy or tied up or unavailable, right? And I'm like, I don't really want to be promoting that with my kids. And so that's why this shift is also so important for me. And think about like with your husband, with your partner, with your spouse, whatever, how many times are you using the word but with them? Like, (laughs) I know I said that, I apologize. I'm sorry I made you feel that way, but I thought you weren't listening or but you always do that or, but you left this out and it pissed me off, whatever. 
all of those, it's not giving we're on the same team. It's not giving collaboration. It's not giving love. I'll tell you that right now. It's giving like, I'm an asshole. (laughs) I guess the best example for me would be to have you just like flip roles. Like I kind of brought up before, how do you feel? I know it fucking sends me, gets me so frustrated when your kids are using the word, but you don't want to be enticing that feeling in somebody else. So in your husband, in a friendship, um, with a coworker, whatever. So think about how you feel when your kids say, but to you, this is an example that is very, uh, recent and relevant and probably will be for a while. I don't know. There's something about being in the car, right? There's something about when I'm driving and the girls are arguing with each other or, one like reaches over and like grabs something from the other one or like won't give the water bottle or like, and then it turns into like violence. It turns not violence. That's intense, but it turns into like one hitting the other one or something, somebody throwing something or yelling or crying. Like it just goes there. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm driving and I'm trying to remain, you know, focused on the road and I'm trying to remain calm and I'm trying to be regulated because I can't just like lose my shit all the time, especially when I'm driving. Although I do because I'm a human being. However, just think about what that feels like when like I can just envision it right now. It's like, but she stole my water bottle, but she threw that at me. She did that first. Yeah, I did that, but da 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 da. And I'm like, oh my God, like I can just feel it in my body, like the heat in my body just like rising from the frequency of those occurrences. Please tell me that I'm not the only one. But what this does, like on a deeper level, yes, not only is it super annoying and there's something about like me not being able to see what's really happening and I can't really do much when I'm driving, but like, let's just say they hit each other and I'm like, did you just hit your sister? And they're like, yeah, but I think what fucking pisses me off the most is like, there's no ownership taken. And working as a school counselor, I would, that would be the thing that I'm always like, just, just own it. Just take ownership. Like if you lied to me, like just take ownership. I just want people to be honest and I want people to like own what they're doing. And when my daughters don't do it and when I'm not doing it, because I'm probably not showing up fully and in, in taking ownership myself, it's not only that, but like, you're not only not taking ownership for like what you did, but you're also not taking ownership of how you're feeling. And that to me is like a big red flag because when you're not able to take ownership of your emotions and how you're feeling, it's not healthy. We don't want to be promoting that. I certainly don't want to be promoting that, especially with my girls. I want them to be able to take ownership of like, obviously their behavior, but also their emotions, especially my younger daughter. I'm like struggling right now with my three-year-old. She has very big emotions and like recently I've just taken a little bit of an intensity turn where she's like having a really hard time regulating. And so we're working on like coping skills and we're also working on like self-regulation, but it's gotten a, it's gotten a little dicey, <laughs> a little dicey recently. And so like, if I am not allowing her to take ownership of not only her behavior of like throwing something, but also the, the feeling that she's feeling in her body, I'm not doing a good job as a role model to her. So just like I'm trying to teach my youngest again, who's like struggling with the big emotions, I want her to like own her mad. And I also am trying to teach her that like, I didn't make her mad or her sister didn't make her mad or her dad, whatever. It didn't make her mad. Like nobody makes you something. Nobody makes you throw something. Nobody makes you do something. Nobody makes you yell. Nobody makes you whatever. They're our thoughts. They're our things. They're our emotions. And like, 
our emotions come from our thoughts about what's happening and it's what creates the feeling of anger. And so like to zoom out from this very specific situation with my youngest, the same goes for you. Nobody makes you angry. Nobody makes you like hang up the phone. Nobody makes you get into an argument. Nobody makes you do anything. You choose to do that. And like a lot of it is your default patterns and a lot of it is like happening without you even thinking about it. However, how this ties into the word but and taking ownership and responsibility is also for the emotional part as well, not just the behavior part. And so if you've been listening to CLM for a while, then you know how your thoughts impact your feelings and your feelings impact your behavior and or your actions. This creates like your reality, the results that you have. And so to extend off of that idea, we know that when we have better thoughts or we have more supportive thoughts about a situation, then we have better or more supportive feelings. Then our, then our actions trigger us to have better or more supportive or more aligned actions. So this is exactly what I'm trying to teach my daughter, especially my youngest daughter, especially is like, yes, she can feel angry and that's okay, but we don't want her to think that somebody else made her do something because she is in control of her body. Nobody else made her do that. And this goes way beyond promoting so much more than just having an empowered mindset for my girls, but it's also teaching my kids that when somebody else makes a choice, that we all have our own choice of what we can think, what we say, what we do, et cetera, et cetera. And just because like somebody else is doing something doesn't mean that we need to do it too. We can choose to do differently. So you might be wondering, Caitlin, like how that's an important lesson to teach your kids. Absolutely. That they have autonomy and that they have agency and that they could do whatever that they want to do and have to follow along. And the reason why that is so important, especially with being mindful about the word, but is again, teaching that ownership that our kids are also responsible for their own actions, for their own thoughts, for their own emotions, for their own behavior. And by being the example for your kids, not being somebody that is always like in the victim mentality or that is also like scapegoating using the word but all the time, then this is going to just happen naturally. So that's why I'm saying this is way more impactful than like even when I initially set out to record this podcast, like as it's unfolding, I'm like, actually, this is pretty important to be very mindful about using the word, but it's not just about like negating everything we say after the word. It's really, truly about teaching our kids that we are responsible for our own lives, that we are responsible for like literally everything. And like, it's nothing or nobody else's fault. Yeah. This is kind of just all unfolding as I'm sitting here recording. And so you might be like, okay, Caitlin, if you don't want me to use the word, but like, what am I supposed to use? What am I supposed to replace it with? And, oh, there it is. And, and what I'll tell you is another or a great substitute for when you catch yourself about to say, but use the word and, and think about letting your kids and your spouse see you do this or letting your kids, your spouse, like hear you using this. And it, again, it's going to be like a natural process. Like they're going to start doing it too. So let's use an example, like freaking dessert in my house. I I created a monster. I know it's my own fault. And like, sometimes like my younger daughter will be like, I don't, I don't want this. Like if I make her like macaroni or whatever, she's pretty selective in what she eats. And like, she'll have a couple bites and she'll be like, I don't want that. Like, can I have candy now? Or can I have my dessert now? And I'll usually respond by saying like, yeah, you can have dessert, but you need to finish your dinner first. Or no, you can't have candy yet, but you can when you're done, whatever. I'm constantly just like giving her an out and I'm constantly using the word, but here's what I'm going to say instead. I'm going to say, 
Um, I know you want the candy and I'm going to save it right here on the counter for when it's time for the candy. Or I know, I hear you. I know that you really want to have dessert and I have just the perfect dessert that I'm going to put out right here for when you're finished with your dinner. Like just using that simple little shift right there. I think you're going to notice how powerful it is for you when you use the word and rather than the word, but let's think of an example for us, like the adults. Um, what if you say, if you're like somebody that like misses the alarm or like, I really want to get into a better morning routine or a better, yeah, I want to get into a better morning routine, but my daughter was up all last night or my daughter doesn't sleep. This is just you justifying your behavior and blaming it on your daughter. That's basically what's happening right there. Instead, this is what you could say. I really want to get into a better morning routine and I'm determined to do that when my sleep schedule normalizes or my sleep schedule regulates or whatever. Notice in the second example, you're not blaming anybody. You're not justifying your behavior. You're actually being very compassionate with yourself. And I wanted to use this example because just if you're somebody that's going to start adapting this behavior into your life, it doesn't mean that like your reframe needs to be like the 180. It needs to be like the thing that you want. It's not like necessarily going to be like, I really want to get into a better morning routine and I'm going to start tomorrow. No, that's not what I'm saying. When we're skipping back on or when we're cutting back rather on the word, but we're doing it in a way that feels like natural and good for us. It's just being intentional about the word. It's not playing victim to whatever our circumstances are. It's not blaming anybody in our family or in our circle. It's not being complainy. It's just pointing it out and thinking about how we want to identify. If I'm somebody that wants to get into a more ritualistic morning routine and I also love sleep, which is true for me, then like, yeah, my morning routine right now, like it's going to happen at like 9am and that's not a problem. It's not a problem at all. Does it need to be very uh, like forced and like what you see on Instagram and like you need to wake up at 5 a.m. Like I want you to start creating things that feel good for you. I want you to have mental reframes that feel really good for you. The shifts that I'm talking about here don't need to be these like huge momentous like 180s as I mentioned. Sometimes the shifts that you need need to just be like minuscule. (laughs) Like I couldn't think of the word, but like tiny. And like the shift that I'm giving in this example is just simply saying, and I'm determined to get to it when I have a better sleep schedule. Like that's it there. You're not being like, and I'm starting tomorrow. And like, I'm going to do it for the next 10 days. Like if that doesn't feel aligned for you, then that doesn't feel aligned for you. And that's okay. And I feel like that's one of the biggest problems that we see with like personal growth or self-improvement that like we're forcing too much, like all at once. And then nothing stays, nothing is sustainable. And that's what makes, that's why I feel like personal development or self-improvement gets such a bad rap because we're all trying to compare ourselves or we're trying to do the most, the fastest. And sometimes the biggest, most transformational changes happen from those like little 1%, little 1%, little 1%. And soon before you know it, those little 1%, they like compound over time. And like, you're a totally different woman. That's all I'm saying here. I just went off on a total tangent, but I felt like it was really relevant. And I don't know, like we could all use to hear that. So that's what I have for you today. I think that when you take away the power source of the word, but, and you can replace it with something else instead, maybe using the word and, or just taking ownership fully and eliminating that, but 
you're closing yourself. You're being like, no, thank you. I am no longer available for this, these limiting beliefs. And like, I think you'll start to see and feel the powerhouse woman that you are. So that's my little love note for you this week. You can probably hear my kids yelling in the background, which means it's time for me to go. Okay. Love you. Bye.